don't get a chance to rest. My family very often, so I'm, I'm doing everything I can right now. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 50. Yeah, last week we were in chapter 48, and really chapter 48 and, or sorry, chapter 49 and uh, about half of 50 really dwell with the life of Jacob, which is worth dwelling on, yet we have been looking more at Joseph, and uh, I really want to focus on that today. Um, in Jacob's last days, remember he had moved to Egypt when he was 130 years old. Just a couple days from now for a few of you, right? Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but that's, that's not young. And they moved him. He lived 17 more years, and then he drew in Joseph's sons, blessed them, that's what we looked at last week, and adopted them as his own. And then in chapter 49, and we'll talk about a couple of these, phrases, uh, these uh, prophecies here, he speaks a word over every one of his sons, which uh, some of them are interesting, Oh, I, let me put it that all of them are interesting. Some of them have a little more of a puzzled look than others, but we'll, uh, we'll come back to a couple of those here in a minute. And for the most part today, though, we are going to dwell at the end of chapter 50 because that is really the conclusion of Joseph's life and story. So I invite you to turn to chapter 50 in Genesis. It's on page 63 in my Bible. Um, go there, and uh, we're going to start at verse 15 and read verses 15 through 21. I invite you to stand as we read God's Word together. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers in their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of your servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down and said to them, Do not fear, I'm sorry, before him, and said, Behold, we are your servants. I skipped a line. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am, in the pla- am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it out. Bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Lord, thank you for your grace and this picture of your grace that we see through this man, Joseph. May your, your forgiveness, your love, your, your grace shine through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So... In chapter 49, I'll back up a little bit there, we, we see some interesting things happen with Joseph's brothers. Uh, we see that Jacob has a message for each one of them. And there's, there's really, I think, well, theologically, there's some interesting messages along the way, but I think there's three different types of messages. First of all, there's the curse. Second of all, there's the blessing. And third of all, there's the, that's it? That's all he had to say? So if you look back a little bit, uh, turn the page back. It's 60 in my Bible, uh, if we're talking about the pages. Uh, You see that uh, Reuben and Simeon and Levi all end up basically getting a curse from their father because of their behavior. And uh, and then uh, we see later the rest of the sons uh, have something different along the way. 
You have Judah, which I'll return to in a moment because we've talked about Judah a little bit here. And then you have Joseph at the end of the blessings, which we'll talk about again because obviously we've been talking about it. But there's a couple of, of these brothers that have just really short things said about them. Um, verse 20, it says, Asher's, Asher's food shall be rich and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali. Now, Naphtali is the region that is in Galilee, which forward uh, we see Jesus raised there. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. So they're the pretty people. We got all that. Uh, you go back to Zebulun. It says where it kind of prophesies where his land will be. Shall dwell, verse 13 says, shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his borders shall be at Sidon. Okay. You know, you look at that and you go, all right, grandpa's off his rocker a little bit there. What's going on? And then, I, like I said, with Simeon and Reuben and Levi, they get, mm, they get some bad things happening. And ultimately, what we see is that uh, Reuben is replaced in rank as the firstborn by Ephraim, which we talked about last week. We see that Simeon, all of his land is enveloped by the land of Judah. And ultimately, Judah, as a tribe, swallows up Simeon. You don't hear a lot about Simeon. And then Levi, how do we know Levi? The priestly tribe. They don't get their own land. They become the people who administer the worship rites for the people of Israel. And they get cities within each tribe. They are the cities of refuge, the places where criminals can go and have a safe place to find their, the grace that God can offer in that moment. So we see that uh, God deals differently with all of these brothers, and, and some of them make sense. Those three, I think, make kind of sense. Uh, those others I read off, I'm still trying to figure out exactly. And I would, it would be one of those fly on the wall in the room kind of things where you, you hear what Judah gets. And then you hear what Joseph gets, and then there's Issachar. Okay, what are we going to get? You know, he's a strong donkey. I'm not sure that's something I should aspire to. Anyway, what we find, though, is that with Judah, we find that that prophecy moves forward. Let's go to verse 8. And I'm not going to dwell on these because there's a lot there. Um, and we can talk about those. We can have conversations about those later. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He was washed; he has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Let's just point that to Jesus, okay? Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David. David is the king that God chooses for his people Israel and ultimately has the staff of responsibility, the staff of leadership, the king over the people a ways down the road. 
right? We're talking hundreds of years later that this will all work out. So if you kind of want to see things happen right away, God's got his own timeline. That's how it all works out. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. Now let's go down to Joseph in verse 22. Oh, wait, let me back up. You can go there. I'm going to t- finish this up. Revelation 5, chapter 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay? So that fulfillment, that promise is coming through Christ. And it started all the way back in Genesis 3. Okay? But ultimately, what we see, it starts to narrow itself through history. All right, now, Joseph, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bow, 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 um, I'm going to say it wrong for somebody. A fruitful bow by a spring, his branches ran over the wall, the archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouch beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who is set apart from his brothers." So you've got, you know, the guys that got two lines from dad, and then you get Joseph, and you get Judah, and they're going, well, I guess I'll just move along, right? That, but that's not really how it worked out with the people of Israel. What we see how this fleshes out later is this after the exodus, they get this distribution of land, and they all have a territory that they're responsible to where their families and their descendants can live. Now, we find that the, the people, particularly of what the kingdom becomes of Israel, end up being unfaithful. And those are the descendants, particularly of the tribe of Ephraim, of Joseph, the firstborn, uh, and all the brothers that aren't Judah. Okay, Judah, remember, swallows up Simeon. Benjamin kind of gets swallowed up a little bit by Judah because they're right next to each other. Benjamin's a small tribe, and we actually see his prophecy here. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at the evening dividing the spoil. So anybody remember who in Jewish history, Israelite history, came from the tribe of Benjamin? King Saul, the first king of Israel. Okay, so we're going to see all of these things play out as we go through it. Ultimately, we find that in these prophecies, there are two names that rise to the top. And they're the names that we have seen the most about in the last half of the book of Genesis, right? You have uh, Joseph and you have Judah. So Judah plays out in our Messiah, and that was God's plan from the start. Joseph, and I've used this terminology before, is a picture of what Jesus would be for all humanity in his role with the children of Israel. He is the deliverer of the people of Israel. And that's where they return to. Now that dad has died, they take his bones back up, bury him back in Canaan where he decided to be, desired to be buried. And they come back now and the remaining brothers are like, all right, what's Joseph going to do? Because we may hold family rank as far as the age goes, but there's one guy who has all the power. And that is Joseph. 
And that comes from two sources. First of all, because of his political role, but also in his family role. Who did dad give the jobs to? He gave them to Joseph and his kids. How does Joseph respond? Verse 15, that's where we're picking up today. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. How long had it been since they came down into Egypt? At least 17 years that dad was there. How long did it take before then? We don't really have more than a couple of years in that. All right? They had lived 10 years beyond the famine in Egypt. The, promise, the problems were beginning to be resolved. They were beginning to be corrected. The land was coming back to life. The rains had returned. And now Joseph was still in his role of power, and the brothers were still in Goshen, that land just off-center from the power of Egypt. They wonder what's going to happen to him. It's a legitimate question, right? And, what, and I've, I've been in this place in different times in my life. How lousy is it to live in terror? And I didn't use the word fear, okay? When we talk about fear, it has different connotations. We, we use it in the both the, the sense of being afraid, but we also see it in the sense of, of respect, right? So our English falls short sometimes with that. To fear is to revere, to lift something up, but also to be afraid. And so this was a different kind of fear that his brothers were living in. They respected his job, but how were they actually living? They were living in terror. They said, Dad's our protector here. Joseph and Daddy, have they, they got a bond. And, and I know Joseph's not going to hurt me while, while Dad's alive, but Dad's gone now. What are we going to do? And you know what? It's justified. Their terror is justified because of what they had done 50 years earlier. Right? That's a long time to be afraid, guys. Think about that. Where were you 50 years ago? I wasn't. <laughs> it's a long time to live in fear. It's a long time to be afraid, okay? And now, when they come to this place, they realize really everything could hit the fan. Not that they had electricity to turn the fans, but it could be a big mess. Now, we come to the place, they beg for Joseph's grace. They sent a message to Joseph in verse 16. Your father gave this command before he died. Remember, Dad? Remember what he had to say about it? Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. Now, I, I don't know that we have that actually written down here. <laughs> right? Joseph, or, or the dad telling the brothers this. This could be true, but it could also be a story. Trying to save our neck, right? And now, 
Please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, the God of your father. Joseph, we saw it 20 years earlier when they first showed up. What is Joseph's attitude by this point? He's been in jail. He's had jobs. He's been imprisoned. He's been enslaved. What is his attitude when they showed up? Gratitude. But his brothers don't quite buy it. I can't blame them. They did it to themselves. Joseph wept when they spoke to him, as he did when he saw Benjamin, right? His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Okay, so we talked about fear versus terror, right? Joseph is recognizing that his role is to be one that's respected. That fear, that terror needed to go away. Because where did he place himself? Not at God. He wasn't in charge. Joseph said to, I'm sorry, I jumped it down like 10 verses there. His brothers came and fell at his feet. We are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am, in the, am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. This sounds a whole lot like it did a couple of chapters ago. He has not changed his tune. God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. We don't know. We know that Judah kind of took the spokesman role earlier on, right, with Joseph, as, as Joseph was an authority over the people, and he didn't really even know Joseph was Joseph, right? We don't know which brother came and stated this. But Joseph had a choice here. He still could decide to go one direction or the other. And this is what his brothers understood about it. But guess what he decided to do? He decided to forgive and to show grace. And in that, this prophecy that many would be saved comes to pass. Because if Joseph had decided, now that dad's dead, I can take out my revenge, guess what would have happened to the children of Israel at that moment? There would have been a lot fewer of them. And we wouldn't even necessarily see our Messiah come from it. But instead, he chooses grace and forgiveness and releases them from their self-inflicted prison. See, Joseph had actually been in jail. He understood what it was to be trapped and not to be able to escape. He understood what it was to plead for rescue. Remember when the, the baker and the, and the, uh, the, the cupbearer, remember? He begged them to tell Pharaoh. And when did it happen? Two more years. Can you think Joseph might have been in a little bit of distress at that moment? But God rescued him. Whatever your trial, whatever your struggle, whatever your, your timeline that you have put together in your head, realize that God has an eternal perspective. And the reason that humanity was created was to bring Him glory. 
and through our sin and through our struggle, He cleanses us, He makes us holy, He grows us in His grace that we might trust Him in that moment when we so desperately need Him. And He will always respond to you even better than the way Joseph responded to his brothers. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. It had been at least 30 years, maybe more, since he had that, that moment. Maybe 50 long time and what does he do he says i will provide for you and those you love god will draw us through trials in this life life on earth is a trial in itself god through the work of the holy spirit through the resurrection of Christ, is empowering us to bring Him glory in the midst of that struggle. So just like His brothers could trust Joseph, you can trust God. You know why? Because He's forgiven you. Verse 22. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years, still a long time. Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So Joseph did not live the majority of his life in that promised land. He started out there, and then we, as a teenager, ends up in Egypt, and he lives to the ripe old age of 110. That's almost 95 years, if I did my math right. My degree in music only counts a four, but, I mean, almost there. Figure it out. Joseph died with the hope his people would return home to the land of promise. He knew that even though his life had been lived in a foreign land, that God had sent them there for a purpose, and they would eventually be rescued. And he said, when you get rescued, take my bones with you. There's all kinds of things you can get to about, you know, how, what did those bones look like 400 years later? Yes, I said 400 years later. It was just a box, right? It could have been a whole lot of dust. It does say he was embalmed, so maybe it lasted a little longer there. But he had a specific place for him to be buried in his own land. Right, and that, So that when the children of Israel take off 400 years later from Egypt, and if you turn the page, it gets exciting really quick. Okay, For, After 400 years, they remembered the promise that their fathers made to Joseph's 
to Joseph's family. And it says they carried the bones of Joseph out. Joseph knew that his resting place on earth shouldn't be in a foreign land. But it wasn't going to come together immediately. God has plan and purpose for each one of us. It's not going to work out the way we have it all written down. I know like plenty of planners in the world who say this needs to happen and this and this and this and this and this. And as, as the guy who ends up picking up all the pieces a lot of times when those plans blow up, I smile. Because I figured out a long time ago, if I start planning things, you know, what, it's kind of a vindictive way to say it, but make your plans and watch God laugh, right? Joseph didn't plan it to be this way. But God, in his purpose, brings the children of Israel to the moment of greatest need, rescues them, and reminds them that he is faithful. And wherever you are in your life, as I knock off the microphone thing, that microphone's on. Okay. Wherever you are in your life right now, there we go. Whatever trial, whatever tr struggle, God is with you in it. He is going to carry you out and take you where you belong. And friends, this world is not our home. God is drawing us to faithfulness in Him that we might lead others to Him. That is our commission. That is our purpose, to go and make disciples. Mission statement as a church in the front of the bulletin every week with all the other core values. We're bringing the restoring love of Jesus to the people of Pueblo. Active. Not waiting for Him to show up at 301 Cleveland. I'm glad you did. Glad you're here. But this is like the recovery room to go back out. This is where we get, hopefully, empowered to, to go out and do ministry. God has called us to go and make disciples. God sent Joseph ahead because he had purpose. And your purpose may not, it is not the same as the person that sits next to you. He has called you to serve him if you've trusted in him. There is a missionary call on every believer. Doesn't mean you need to move to India, but maybe you do. God calls each of us to fulfill His purpose, to follow Him and to trust Him. We've seen, we see here the death of two patriarchs, Jacob chapter 49 and 50, and then Joseph. But God's promise is that he is with them always. And what is Jesus' promise at the end of Matthew and the Great Commission? That I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with us. What are you afraid of? Joseph said, I fear God, the one who can actually do something about it. Right? I can't do anything about any of the rest of this stuff. So today, do you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you acknowledge your need for him? Will you trust him like Joseph did and follow him 
to places that may seem a little bit confusing, but know that He is with you, and this world is not your home. Let's pray. Our God, You are good to us. I thank You for Your faithfulness. I pray, Lord, that as we... Uh,